0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the blatant pay control. Document the ways that they
0: aim to take control. Succinize and brutalize and make and fold If we don't sound up. You've been listening to this podcast for a while or have been following some of what we've been up to at the Copia Institute on TechTurt over the last few years. Uh, You'll hopefully know that we've spent a lot of time uh, using games as a tool to explore the future and explain the present. Uh, We've just recently launched a new page on the Copia site explaining many of the gaming-related projects that we've done over the past few years. And uh, you should expect a lot more on that front soon. We are working on a whole bunch of gaming-related projects. Uh, Earlier this year, we were asked by the folks who run the Grant for the Web project to help create an online game for this year's MozFest event to explore the future of money online. Uh, Grant for the Web, if you're unfamiliar with it, is a collaborative project of COIL, Mozilla, and Creative Commons and part of the Interledger Foundation. And the goal of the organization is to help fund more open, fair, and inclusive standards around web monetization. Uh, You may recall... Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while that a few months back we had Stefan Thomas from Coil and the Interledger Foundation on the podcast uh, to talk about this effort to rethink web monetization and to hopefully bring it back around to being you know really a core protocol of how the internet works uh, but of course part of that challenge is getting people to get out of their uh, present mindset of the way the world is today and the way the internet is today, and to move more towards thinking about how web monetization could actually work uh, in in a much cooler and more useful manner. And that was the challenge that we sort of took on in creating what we're now calling Money City, which is a brainstorming game about the future of money online, uh, which we are also releasing today as an open source toolkit in case anyone wants to try and put it on themselves. Uh, the challenge for us was to create a game that got people brainstorming about a semi-near future and the possibilities for internet monetization while some simultaneously creating something that was actually a fun game uh, and a, a fun setting in which all of that would happen. And so, after a bunch of brainstorming, we came up with the concept of Money City, which is a somewhat dystopian near future world in which one large company named Megacorp uh, basically controls absolutely everything, including much of the monetary system. Uh, players in the game were then divided into three teams with different goals and motivations, but all focused on trying to bring down Megacorp uh, from its dominant position and open up new and more creative avenues for innovation. Uh, we ran the game three times at MozFest earlier this year, and as mentioned today, we're releasing the open source toolkit uh, for others to try and run the game, or you can reach out to us if you want us to run it for you. Uh, as well as a set of summaries from those three times that we ran the game. Uh, And for the podcast today, we have three guests on to talk about the game and the creation of the game and and what the deal was with it. And so we have our own game design guru, Randy Lubin, who's been on the podcast before.
1: Great to be back.
0: And then from Grant for the Web, we have uh, Erica Drushku and uh, Chris Lawrence. So Erica and Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so let's start with the two of you. Uh, I wanted to ask kind of what you were expecting uh, when we first agreed to this idea of creating a game on the future of money, you know, because uh, there are all sorts of ways to, to think about and talk about uh, and brainstorm about the future. Um, but a game is, is a little bit unique. And, and we obviously like the idea. But what what, what were you thinking on your end?
2: Chris, well, I was I'll... waiting for you to, to jump in, but I, I guess I'll start. Well, I think the the first thing we were thinking about was why we were why we were think, why we were hoping to have a game in, in the first place at Mozfest and, and and really the context of Mozfest, which is such a creative um, global festival that was because of COVID was all digital this year. So we we knew we would be participating at MozFest and we knew um, having attended the festival in the past and and in fact worked on it in the past that we needed a highly engaging way to get folks to interact with our subject matter. There's a lot going on at that festival. So we wanted to have something really exciting and different. um, And a game seemed like a great way to do it. Yeah,
3: I I paused because I was waiting to... well, I wanted to hear what Erica had to say because, you know, she was a uh, – skeptical is not the right word, but, you know, she had maybe least experience or, like, game. Um, so uh, I was curious to see what she would have expected. And it was fun to sort of ride shotgun with Erica uh, through the, the, the world of uh, the game that you brought us through. Um, I think – you know, it's really it's really interesting what Erica says in terms of uh, about MozFest. Both Erica and I, you know, spoiler alert, worked at Mozilla, Fest, uh, Mozilla Foundation for a long time and had worked and been, you know, instrumental and worked closely with Moz Mozilla Festivals over the years. So we we have a we have a pretty deep knowledge of what works and what doesn't work there. And so we're always looking with the our grant for the Web programming that we do at MozFest. We're always looking for something that is going to be different, is going to be more experiential. The previous, well, I guess not the previous year, but the, the last MozFest, which I believe was 2019, it was a sort of you know, break in the middle with COVID and uh, uh, some of their changing schedule plans – we were very inward focused. We were just mm-hmm. launching the program. We we're like, "Help us be what this program was." And so this time, we really wanted to be focused more on the issues and the changes that we'd like to see in the world with this technology and with the grant making program. So we we much wanted much wanted people in that that future casting headspace. And so you know, we were talking with you all about a number of things. And when you shared kind of your you know kind of your your game stuff, that really resonated with us about you know, what could get people in a creative headspace and be a bit of a differentiator and what, you know, Erica mentioned is sometimes a, a loud marketplace of, of Mozilla Festival, whether it's in person or or digital.
0: Yeah, and I think that that makes sense and certainly fits with, you know, what we had discussed, right? And, and you know, our thinking on, on games for, you know, especially for kind of exploring the future is it's it's one thing to just say you're going to have kind of like a brainstorming scenario planning kind of thing Um, but that that is sometimes difficult for people to wrap their heads around whereas like the idea of playing a game is is should be fun <laughs> uh and and if we can get to the same place and have it fun and so attract you know kind of different different types of people and and maybe you know take them out of their preconceived notions to in order to explore these interesting potential future uh areas you know that's that's our goal with with the game so it's it's good to hear that that you were thinking somewhat along the same lines, I guess.
2: I have to admit, Chris is right. I, as a non game player, I was like, that does not sound fun, but uh, (laughs) you proved me wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, well that's good so let's let's actually follow that path a little bit <laughs> so I, I know that yes even leading into the into the you know we had lots of discussions as, as we were developing this and and we were checking in with you and kind of explaining where this was all going um, and and Erica I would say that it was it was clear that you were somewhat skeptical <laughs> of some aspects of the game but but very open to it I, I don't think you were you, you never seemed concerned <laughs> that it was going off the rails but um, you know you You guys attended all three of the sessions that we ran at Mozfest um do you wanna and I'll, I'll start with with erica again as as the sort of novice here <laughs> you know what what was your impression on playing the game on actually playing the game after coming in a little bit skeptical maybe i
2: I have to say it was I really enjoyed it. I lost myself in, in the role playing. Um, it's not something I usually do. So that was really fun. I really liked the, the platform that you built it on, which I'm sure we'll get more into later. Um, and and just interacting with others um, with a, with a greater goal in mind. I can't remember which team I was on at the beginning. I think I was on the Whoever the the rabble rousers were, I think I was a (laughs) troublemaker in the first round, which is my 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 normal comfortable state. Um, So I I really I really had a great time. And uh, it it uh, surprised me how willing I was to spend two hours, two and a half hours, three hours uh, on a a virtual platform with strangers.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And 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 Chris, from a perhaps slightly more experienced gamer perspective, uh, what, what was your take on on actually playing the game?
3: Well, I, I, I my <laughs> the thing I most enjoyed, I think, about what you all did um, that was counterintuitive for me, and that I think was totally worked was how, and I say this with warmth in my heart. is how generic you made things, you know, money city, you know, these kind of archetypes and, and, you know, kind of, because it, one, it did not detract at all from the world building or any of the creativity in which I felt personally that I could role play within. So I really found it fascinating that, that, that those two things didn't hinder each other. And then, (laughs) you know, because this wasn't just a game for game's sake, it really was, you know, how you all do these games with this brainstorming and ideation and, and kind of idea development at its core, it let that happen so much easier and better because I actually think the kind of genericism of the accoutrements of the world building meant you couldn't be pulled in to norms or real world examples or try to intuit your goals and how you name things. And it actually let the creativity of the ideas alongside the creativity of the role play flourish side by side. So, you know, that my skepticism at first was just like, Money City, you know, like, you know, I, I want this fan, you know, I'm like, where's my, you know, bring me a real dungeon master. But I think it totally worked both in how much fun I had and I think. You could not have done that if you guys had sort of geeked out on the on the kind of fantastical and flourishes of the game, and people did get into concrete ideation
0: yeah yeah well that that is a perfect segue to Randy um, in talking a little bit about how we uh, came up with the design of this of this game uh, based on the sort of per- parameters that that Chris and Erica gave us. Uh, up front. So do you want to talk a little bit how, about how we got to that uh, generic situation <laughs> that, that happened to work out so well?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think I'll start even a little bit further back because this is one of the most fun and also, I think, difficult design challenges that we've had and for, for a couple of reasons. One, because we knew, again, there's this tension of like making it fun, but also making sure it was productive in the brainstorming ways we wanted to. Um, and also that the topic that we were choosing didn't lend itself as naturally to a game as something else, so for example, we you and I have made a, a handful of election games at this point, and elections are so naturally a game there's a clear winner right. at the end of them there's a you know you want to be manipulating voters, you know how you're progressing based on polling, and in this case, it was like okay future future of the economy, future of monetization and money and payments um, and so you know as we usually did, we sort of wrote down our constraints at the beginning in terms of you know this this should be beginner friendly like players should be able to show up to this and not have had any done any prior thinking around the future of monetization and still be, be accepted. It should be fun, um, there should be lots of good scaffolding to come up with ideas uh, and also um, one of the interesting challenges like it should be able to, to scale well whether we have 10 players show up or 30 and um, And I remember we did our our usual stage gate approach where we we started poking down a bunch of different directions, some of which were much more grounded in the real world, some of which were more fantastic. And um, I forget exactly what triggered coming up with this um, sort of cyberpunk-inspired fictional dystopia, Money City, but... Uh, I think once we, we hit on that, we're like, okay, cool, that's great, because there's a natural enemy, um, this megacorp. E- uh, economics and uh, and monetization are going to infuse everything here, and we can have a diversity of player groups, player factions, um, that are all sort of, at the very least, allied in trying to gun down megacorp, and, uh, and then also have this vacuum of, like, once megacorp's been taken down, what new society, what future uh, do they want to build, and you know, set it up so that each has its own vision, but all each all each have their own ways of uh, approaching it and also potentially allying with the others. So uh, I guess in, in a moment, I can sort of go through the different player factions we landed on because we, we explored a few permutations there. Um, but I think we we did a really great job of creating really distinct um, factions for the players to to engage with, act as and um, act on uh, act on the world and try and accomplish goals uh the other uh big thinking bit of thinking that we we did that we do for all our games is the question of how much game state should there be uh because i think we've done games where there's sort of no game state in terms of no like back-end model looking at what the world is and we've done games that are extremely dense and heavy on the game state so machine learning president had a massive spreadsheet trying to calculate um the different (laughs) uh voting populations and how they felt about different policies so uh in this case we we decided Oh, and actually, actually I could back up for a sec, because I think one of the big questions was how do we uh, provide the right amount of scaffolding to get people thinking and focused on things about monetization and the future of money. And uh, we knew that one of the ways we wanted to do that was by having sort of front and center uh, a look at different uh, currencies uh, in this world. And that by having that be a key part of the game state, something that was regularly shared with the players, then that would keep it really top of mind and be a natural uh, affordance that the players would want to interact with. Cool, like we, we see this chart of the relative share of all of these different currencies. Um, let's use that to manipulate the world. Let's let's act upon the currencies to then shape the future of Money City, um, and so so that that to that extent, like we had a really fun time coming up with the initial currencies, of which like the MegaCorp's MegaScript was the far and away the most popular, but seeding all of these other uh, currencies, um, ranging from like reputation based to being about wealth di- redistribution or about um, uh, t- like time banking, and um, and all creating those as like little things that are out there. Oh yeah. Also, um, uh, Space Bucks, which was like an MMO currency that you know had the potential of, potential for going big, and all of these were were there for players to pick up and play with if they wanted, and that was just a, a way of uh, really encouraging players to to dive in um, and not have a blank slate, a blank canvas um, when they had to start brainstorming ideas. They already had had these bits they can play with.
0: Yeah, and I think I think it was important. You know, one of the the things that was challenging is in you know, a lot of the other games that we've done, you know, as you mentioned, like the election games, like it's really obvious also um like who's on whose side. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that presented an interesting challenge for this game because it wasn't necessarily, the teams are, are not in alignment um in terms of all of their goals and their vision of the future, but there is some overlap and, and, that was kind of important because that's that's fairly realistic right i mean there are different people and organizations that have different views on the world and some of those views might overlap and some of them don't but this is it's not really a situation where it's like you know I will fight you to the death over this this form of monetization or or that one. Um, And so we we really needed to frame it in a way that worked and and having having it be these sort of different visions of the world, all in agreement in general on on trying to take down Megacorp. And then, you know, actually with overlapping agreement on certain other areas, but also – non-overlapping areas on others we we spent a ridiculous amount of time i will say on trying to build out a triangle of of what the three teams were what they overlapped on and what they disagreed on and 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 making that work was probably the thing we spent the most time on Um, which does lead into if if you randy if you want to go over what the three factions we we finally uh, focused on
1: Yeah, sure. And I'm really happy with how it it landed too. So we ended up with uh, the first faction was Singularity Now, a group of inventors and technologists who believe artificial general intelligence will solve all the world's problems and that all focus should be on developing that. Um, Then there was Humanity United, which was a coalition of activists, cooperatives and charities who believe that progress isn't really progress if it leaves people behind. And so the city should focus on immediately elevating the welfare of all the residents. And then the third group was the hustle, which was a coalition of entrepreneurs and investors who want a robust free market that will create jobs, foster innovation and make all of them incredibly wealthy. And so <laughs> so these three were all very distinct in sort of flavor and end goal. But at the same time, they had a lot tying them together. So, you know, Humanity United and Singularity Now both really cared about making the world a better place. Uh, Singularity Now and The Hustle both really cared about technology. And Humanity United and The Hustle, well, they, they still care about improving, um, you know, the, 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 the city and the life of the people in the city, although they had very different ways of doing that—one more free market-based, and the other um, the city directly helping uh, the residents—and so because of this, we saw across all three games, all three sessions that we ran, uh, lots of interesting uh, alliances and alignments, um, and uh, and and soliciting of help from across the uh, the different factions.
0: Yeah, and 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 I should note, you know, we people sort of more or less randomly selected which group they were in. And we certainly encourage some people to, you know, don't, don't necessarily go into the group that you identify the most with. Part of the fun of it being, to some extent, a role-playing game is that you get to take on roles, and, and we expect that the people who are playing do not necessarily agree with what their, their team said. And in fact, I think in a lot of cases, we saw the teams that had the most fun <laughs> were, were the ones where they were taking on a role that was very different than what they they actually believed, and sometimes the teams that, that struggled a little bit, especially at the beginning when they were sort of trying to get into it, were the ones who were really, really sick. On on their their own personal view of what the world was that differed from from what what the team was, but once they got over that hurdle, um, you know I think the the games became a lot more a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, and I, guess I can mention like some of the things we did to help people get into those roles and come up with good interventions. Um, And so was uh, we did a few things. So one, we had uh, handouts for each uh, faction that talked a little bit more in depth about what that faction cared about, what its end goals were, what some of the assets and allies that it sort of naturally had were. And then we we also gave some um, some scaffolding in terms of like here are different approaches you might take to try and influence the world. Um, And the core loop of this game, we had the game broken into three rounds. In uh, in each round, Uh, so in in the first round. Um, I guess I'll just sort of walk through it real quick. So in in the first round, Megacorp was dominant um, and controlled almost the entire city and the entire economy. Um, Over the course of that round, each faction one had an interaction with a key influencer uh, in the city uh, where they had to make a quick decision um, and uh, basically decide how that key influencer was going to shape reshape the city and then um much more open-ended uh each faction had to come up with two interventions one that was more focused on monetization and the future of money so again pulling players focus focus back to one of the core goals of the event um, and then the second did not necessarily need to be about that was about helping their faction more broadly um, and so the the second act uh started with money with megacorp having fallen due to all of the disruptive efforts that happened in the first act and again players have an opportunity to engage with an influencer and then have to come up with two interventions. And this time in the context of, well, the city's been completely disrupted by the fall of Megacorp and sort of everything's up for grabs. Everything's, uh, all possibilities are now on the table. And so it was a lot of like short-term in the middle of this chaos, how can factions advance their own agenda? And um, and try and gain power power and influence in this in the new sort of power vacuum. And then the the third round was a little bit different. There was still an opportunity to to meet with one of these city influencers, um, but uh, in th- this time uh, it was all around a vote for the f- that was going to determine the future of. Money City. So instead of coming up with interventions, at this point it was coming up with a pitch for a, each faction's vision for the future of the city, uh, and then those factions pitched, and then we had uh, we had players get out of character uh, and vote on which of those visions they most wanted to see. We also had a long list of these city influencers, um, which uh, to give some examples, the the influencers ranged from uh, a like hedge fund manager to an environmental activist to a pop star. Uh, we had a, we had about a dozen of them and um and so they also all got a vote and that sort of determined which vision won out at the end of the day
0: and and that was kind of a fun aspect of the game that that we sort of as we were developing it we sort of realized worked well was having these city influencers play a role in the game and, and sort of recognizing that a lot of the game really is kind of about you know convincing people to go along with with your overall vision and so that was that was one of the the elements that we we built into the game that I think ended up working out pretty well.
1: Yeah, I think uh, players were very drawn to the influencers, uh, very thoughtful of how their decisions might impact them. And again, for me, like making the game accessible and approachable and having lots of scaffolding, they were, it was also sort of another fun thing that players could immediately turn to and start think, scheming with right they they yeah. they had this list of influencers and they could be okay cool we know what our objective is how might we pull in the pop star and uh do a do a big event with the pop star or what what scheme might we get up to with the um uh hedge fund manager to you know maybe make them rich but also advance our our goal or something like that
0: yeah yeah no it 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 worked out well it was sort of the um the first time we had done something quite like that um and it and it fit really well um to to bring erica and chris back into this um you know the um you know i I talked a little bit about uh, uh, about you know what was your experience in in sort of playing the game but um did you feel that that you know the the games when we played them that it did get to to that point of of brainstorming about uh, you know about web monetization and different ideas, and kind of what the future might look like, as as was you know the overall intent of the game.
2: In in my experience, yes, I would say you know the discussions about the the benefits of the different kind of currencies, especially thinking about the value of making um, our own currencies and what doors that could open. That really you know forced some interesting conversations. Highlighted what's problematic about the currencies we currently use, and and what the opportunities are with um, more flexibility, um, more decentralization, um, and how different kinds of decentralized currencies can benefit certain underrepresented populations. I guess mm-hmm. globally, um, and and you know it was all within the confines of the games, but. Um, but you know being part of the humanity now faction i remember that was a big consideration how what what how the opportunities um of of decentralized currencies could could benefit groups that aren't currently s- s- super well served by fiat currencies
0: yeah uh,
3: the uh, it's it's funny i'm going to answer so no did it directly <laughs> deal with uh, web monetization uh, you know, not not overtly, and that was the, that's exactly what we wanted. You know, I, I think, you know, when we run such a tactical and process and practical based uh, program for all the good reasons, and you know, we're we're asking for these projects that are well thought out and rationalized, and A equals B equals C. You know, we were also sort of aware aware that we also have to make sure we we tickle the imagination, right, and get people to be able to think bigger. And quite frankly, that's something that we've struggled with, that this gap between the sort of science fiction of the ideas that we're actually proposing, the practicality of where the technology is, and then bringing everyone along programmatically – those are heavy lifts right and yeah. and the default to that can often be how do we get this done very kind of practical steadfast and you know eric and i both consider ourselves those kinds of people to our benefit and so we were intentionally looking for something that wasn't going to be like what do you, what does web monetization mean to you type of thing <laughs> right. we want you know we need a little of breathing space and so the the exciting thing coming out of this for us was, you know, how do we run this again? How do we continue to evolve this? And even at its spiritual core, how do we make sure we hold space for people to, you know, to live within the the imagination and the kind of, the the fun parts of the science, science fiction of the, of the technology. And, and that's gotta be side by side with a lot of the, you know, what will your deliverables be and how will they be measured?
0: Right. Um, I I wanted to talk a little bit also about, about the technology that we used for the the game itself um, which in the past for, for a lot of the games that we've done for the virtual for the online ones we've used Remo and we've talked about that on past podcasts and it's a you know it's a pretty good tool for sort of a conference-like atmosphere that's very different from Zoom it's, it's more about breakout groups and, and tables and and has that sort of metaphor going for it. Um, you know, at this point, like so many people have done so many things on Zoom that they just think every every online meeting <laughs> these days has to be sort of the Zoom, you know, many, many squares kind of thing. Um, but and but instead of that, we we ended up in this case using something called Spatial Chat, um, which we had been unfamiliar with, but was an approved platform for MozFest. And so we had actually sort of talked to the MOSFES team about using Remo just because we were used to it. And they shot that down. <laughs> uh, and and so we had to do, um, you know, initially what felt like a little bit of scrambling to figure out how do we actually make use of Spatial um, and and make that work. And Spatial is, is kind of neat in, in a lot of ways, though it was just very different because it was – uh, as the name suggests, was sort of based on, on where you're located. So you would have these rooms and you would have small sort of circle videos and you could hear people if you were standing close to them. And the further you got away, the quieter they got until a point where you couldn't hear them at all anymore. Um, and it, you know, it, it had a lot of benefits. It had a few limitations, which we initially struggled with. But I think you know, we, we ended up building aspects of the game around the, the limitations, the things that we were a little bit unsure about what to do with at the beginning. Um, but in the end, I, I think I think worked. So, again, um, you know, I'll go to, to Erica and Chris and just, you know, your experience on the on the technology side of using that platform and how you think that worked as a as a platform for, for this kind of event.
2: I, I really enjoyed using Spatial. I agree with you. It was a bit, as we were planning this, that was, there was a lot of question marks around it and was it, <laughs> yes. was it going to do the job? And I admit that I was worried. Um, but in the end it was, I think it really added to the gameplay and the overall experience, um, people really seemed to enjoy being able to move around and cluster on different parts of the screen where you could you know, only hear the, the voices of your immediate group. It allowed for some really fun visuals that you you all did a great job of capitalizing on, you know, as the the game progressed, sort of the background of Megacorp and Money City disintegrated (laughs) as the world (laughs) fell apart. So that was, you know, there were subtle visual cues that I think really added to the atmosphere of the game. And um, because there were different factions, the the physicality of the online space, being able to cluster in different areas in the screen, allowed for some really fun interactions. Um, In one of the sessions I participated in, um, different factions sort of very playfully, uh, you know, were ganging up on each other and we were, you know, using our avatars to... Go over and fake, <laughs> fake threaten and threaten the other group with our presence, and it was just very, very playful in a way that Zoom you could never even imagine doing in Zoom, and it 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 made sort of a team spirit and a really fun atmosphere in this in this digital environment that I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely got the 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 feel of that also, and sort of watching the game. You know, Randy and I had done. Um, In some ways, uh, a project that had some similarities to this back in December um, that we've talked about that was around, like, the future of AI and and artificial intelligence. Um, And that one, which I think was a success, but we had to do that on Zoom because of the limitations of what the group that that had us doing it. Um, And while I think that was a very successful event, it was not nearly as playful and as fun as I think the the this game was, and I think a large part of that is is the platform itself and the affordances that Spatial gives you as compared to to Zoom. Um, Chris, did you have any thoughts on 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 the Spatial platform?
3: I have to admit, you know, when, when we were all going back and forth with with is spatial going to work? You know, is this, you know, I was for, for a minute there, I was definitely team, just do it on zoom, you know, (laughs) uh, because, because, you know, the role, because I knew that the role play was the, was the key and that you can kind of, is, is sort of highly adaptable to different environments. But I have to say, I think the spatial was a huge success in terms of making it more fun, making it more embodied, and then also making it, not Zoom,
0: right. uh, you, know,
3: you know, like there, there we, there's so much fatigue I ju- with, with, you know, face-based video conferencing that I think, you know, it, it its immediate awkwardness being in spatial was a, really help people get into the roles, help people get into the playful aspects, and just meant they were in a different modality. And I think for me, I realized that you could still be sitting in front of a computer interacting, you know, using typical things, and it feel radically different than zoom. And we just had a we just had a grantee organized meetup. uh, And it was done in in a a platform uh, called skittish, which is actually Mm -hmm. a grant for the web grantee. And it's very similar spatial chat, probably building off a lot of the same open source libraries and under underlying technology. And and the same thing happened there. It felt very similar. And the biggest marker for success in both of these sessions was how long people stayed after the event was supposed to be over. In both cases, all cases, it was 60, 70, 80 minutes. I mean, imagine <laughs> anyone spending an additional hour plus in a Zoom call. And that seems like data to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, we did have, you know, we 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 ran the three sessions, and every one of them, people stuck around for a long time afterwards, just talking about it.
2: Oh, um, we could barely get them to leave. I remember <laughs> the end of every session. We were like, "Okay, out you go, out you go."
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways, it, it was there was a nice factor in that, you know, if we had done it live in a in a room somewhere. Um, You know, we probably would have had to to move out because, you know, somebody else would have been coming into that room. So there wasn't the nice factor that we were able to kind of sit around and chat with people afterwards.
3: Although no meet up at the bar. That's that's true. There's the core drawback.
0: That, that That is true. I did see there was some service. I, I, don't, I don't know the details of this, but there was some service that somebody was actually my neighbor was just telling me about this that they were doing for work where they would like deliver cocktails to like everybody on your team. And then you would all get on Zoom to, to have cocktails together, which just does not seem <laughs> like the, the most effective uh, way to do that. But considering that you can't just then get together at the bar after after an event, I guess that's that's what you have to do but um, yeah but people people really did you know stick around and chat and I think I think it was it was pretty pretty successful on that front um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too was that you know we ran the game three different times um, and each one had had really really different things happen um, and to me that's that's a good sign if they all you know played out exactly the same I think that would be uh, an indication of of some problematic aspects of our game design but all, all three of them played out very very differently with different you know different focuses different uh you know different winners different uh different progressions uh, and different alliances as well um and i thought that was that was a really neat thing of how how this game actually played out in in practice
1: Yeah, the players really brought it to life and were clearly paying attention to what the other factions were doing in that uh, each round very much riffed off of uh, what previous factions were working on and whether it was trying to leverage work done by another faction or trying to undermine it um, or or otherwise sort of play play with and extend. Uh, (laughs) Very very cool to see. Yeah.
0: Um, And, you know... I. I actually i'm not sure i have much else to, to say i don't know uh are there other things that we that we missed in this discussion that we haven't we haven't covered about about the game and sort of what uh what we wanted to do with it
3: well i know that we're super excited about running it maybe even multiple times with our community is it you know is it an onboarding you know is it a is it an onboarding thing to new grantees is it something during a application process that we run mm. for folks to kind of open up their minds a little bit and then ap- apply some of that back into their proposals um i think we have you know i mean we're we're essentially looking to fund and grow good ideas so the, the core design Goal of, of of Money City is that as well. So we're you yeah. know we're starting to see what we could learn from in terms of you know how this integrates into program design. I know that's something that we're super excited about.
0: Yeah, and that's that's great to hear. Um, and you know, as we said, if 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 people listening to this are are interested, um, we're we're putting up all of the details of of how to. Um, you know run this yourself if you want to or you can can reach out to us and, and have us help you get get going with it as well um, because we think it's it's a really cool tool to explore a bunch of different things and and of course you know we're, we're as a kind of open sourcey kind of thing it can also be modified and and changed and adjusted in all different ways for for some other uh, aspects as, as well
3: well, I know we were excited to partner with you all, um, and uh, it's it's been a, a lot of fun. So so thanks for thanks for coming along on the journey with us.
1: Thanks for uh, for funding this and working <laughs> with us as collaborative partners too to shape it. Like your your inputs early on really helped set the direction and and make this game what it became. And it was also so fun to see both of you, especially you, Erica, as a as a. First-time gamer, more novice gamer, like just fully embrace this uh, and embrace the role-playing of it, and uh, it, was, it was just a treat watching you all at work.
2: You, you won me over.
0: <laughs> you, you did, you did seem to get very into the game, so it, it was good.
2: It was the uh, the AI pets. That's that was just too fun. I couldn't pass those up.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, cool. Well uh thanks thanks again uh you know for for all of that and and for um you know the collaboration i think was great and also thanks for taking the time to to come on the podcast and and have this discussion um you know we've we, this has been a really fun project for us and we're excited to to now put it out into the world for others to play around with as well um and uh and and i'm glad that you guys were able to to join the podcast to talk about it thanks
2: so much thanks for, for having us.
1: us thanks for having us
0: and uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. And we'll be back
1: next week.